responsibilities that accompany the privilege of being a Christian are many, one of which is the necessity of providing a proper example to those that are in the world, or as the New Testament in the King James Version describes, those that are without. You and I, as members of the body of Christ, have an awesome responsibility of setting the proper example to those that are outside of the ark of safety, those that are outside of the Lord's church. You remember that Jesus said that we are to be lights of the world and the salt of the earth. You remember on the great sermon on the mount in the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew, beginning there in verse 13, very familiar verses of scripture where Jesus said, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under foot of man. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But in doing this, we must understand this requires outstanding and honorable conduct on our part. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, the Bible says there, "...having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation." You know, I think the point that we need to understand is in living the Christian life, and we can look at this from a very practical standpoint, I am sure. Truly, there are all of us who have had things happen in our life where the world looks to us and is wondering how it is that we are going to handle the circumstance that has happened to us. Sometimes tragedy will strike in a particular person's life, and if they are a Christian, the world is watching just to see how strong their faith is going to be. The point being, and that's what we need to understand, when we go through those times and when we behave ourselves properly, and the reason that we are behaving ourselves properly is because of our faith, then God gets the glory. That's what's wonderful about that. When people understand that when we go through things in our life, when we behave properly, and the reason for it is because of our faith, it is God that gets the glory. You know, our good conduct is especially necessary as we go about the business of making a living for ourselves. The reason that that is, and I got to thinking about this concept or this idea the other day, that of all the things that we do, the thing that we do on a regular basis more than anything else, perhaps, is the time that we spend in the workplace. Now, I'll tell you something. If there's ever a time when a Christian can slip, usually it's found in the workplace. Say, for example, you work for 40 hours for a, for a particular establishment, and you're working for a particular employer. You're going to work, by and large, 40 hours a week. You're working eight hours a day, five days a week. That's a long time. If you're in business and you're successful at it, 
chances are you're spending even more time than eight hours a day, maybe 12 years, uh, 12 hours, 16 hours, whatever it might be in the field of business. The point being is if we are going to spend a great deal of time like that in doing that, then chances are we, we raise the risk of slipping because of the time that we're spending in that activity. Hear the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verses 11 and 12. You remember when Paul said, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. Now what was it that they were doing that was disorderly? He said, Working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with, gen that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. You remember when we studied this about a year ago as we studied Paul's letters to the church at Thessalonica that he wrote the second one by divine inspiration for the purpose of correcting the notion or the idea that Jesus was going to come back so soon that they were going to be able to cast aside their daily responsibilities in terms of what they were obligated to do in providing for themselves and their household and their families and all of their other responsibilities that they have day by day, they were casting those things aside because of their misunderstanding of what Paul meant in the first letter about when Jesus was going to come back. What did Paul say that they were doing? They were working not at all. Now what happens when you sit around idle and do absolutely nothing? You know there's an old adage that says idle hands are tools for the devil, but an idle mind is his workshop. You know what they did? They were idle working not at all, and because of that, they became busybodies in other men's business, in other men's affairs. That was sinful, and that's what he had to correct. The question is tonight, though, how can we know or how can we be sure that we are behaving properly toward or around those that are in the world in our business affairs? First of all, how to keep business in its proper place or proper perspective. Number one, we must remember what should take priority in our life. It is a fact of life, and I alluded to it just a moment ago rather briefly, that you and I have a responsibility to live and provide for our families. We understand that. The Bible teaches that. In fact, if I'm a person and I am of able mind and able body and I am able to go out and work for a living and I choose not to do that, not only is it a sin because I'm providing as the Apostle Paul writing to a young evangelist Timothy said those very things. He said that a man that would provide not for his own, especially of his own house, has denied the faith and he is worse than an infidel. He is worse than an unbeliever. And we know that an infidel or an unbeliever, the fate of that person is going to find themselves in a devil's hell for all eternity. The Apostle Paul said that a person that finds himself in the category of not providing for his own, especially of his own house, has denied the faith and he's worse than the unbeliever whose fate is eternal condemnation. In fact, let me just say this. 
I believe with all my heart that if I'm able-bodied and able-mind, and I choose not to go out, and even though I'm a Christian, but I choose not to go out and work with my hands and support my family. If I make that choice, I believe that the Lord's church is under no obligation whatsoever to help me. If I choose not to. Now, God takes care of His people. He really does. Let me make that point. Not only does He take care of us through His providence, and we understand if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things would be added unto us, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, we believe that with all of our heart. One way is that God answers our prayers and provides for us, and when we work in a secular capacity, God is providing for us, and God is fulfilling the promise that Jesus once made in the Sermon on the Mount. Also, God's people being members of the body of Christ, the money that is given by way of the contribution is another way that God helps his people that are in need. But I'm going to tell you something. If I all of a sudden one day decide that I want to be a freeloader and I want to stop doing what my responsibility dictates to me that I must do and I decide I'm no longer going to try and work, I do not believe that the church is responsible for fulfilling the promise Jesus gave in helping me at all. You know what somebody needs to do to really help me? Is push me out the door and tell me to get a job. Or tell me to do what is my responsibility to do. That's the help that I would need in that. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 6. You remember that the Apostle Paul said, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. The Lord's church is not responsible because I'm irresponsible and I'm lazy, and I refuse to do that which is my obligation to do. But you know, misplaced priorities can be very harmful to our well-being. Hear the words of Solomon of old as he tells us what is truly profitable. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 4, it says, Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. You know what I got to thinking about when I read that verse of Scripture the other evening? I got to thinking about the rich man and Lazarus. And I'll not go into that very, uh, very much or in uh, any great detail. I'll just say this by way of remembrance. You remember how the Bible pictures him? And incidentally, whether this is a parable or whether this is uh, Jesus recanting something that actually happened really doesn't make any difference. Jesus is either saying, this already happened, and therefore you can use it as an example, or he's saying it, it's possible to happen, therefore parable. Either way, this is things you need to know, and these are things that are possible, and this is the way that it is. Jesus said there was a certain man that was a rich man and fared sumptuously every day. I got to thinking about this because on the other hand, here was this poor beggar that was waiting for the crumbs to fall from the rich man's table. My point is this. You know when they both died? One says he, was, he died, the rich man, and was buried. You know, I would imagine we can picture in our mind's eye, couldn't we? The great big funeral that this man had. Oh, what a send-off. 
Good luck at your new location. I would just imagine that they sent out all of the, the, all of the music and all of the flares and all of the pomp and circumstance for this man that was rich. But the Bible says he was in torment. And all the riches that he had in his life did him no good. It might have paid for a fancy funeral, but it did no good after this life. But then the beautiful account of Lazarus carried to Abraham's bosom, a place of rest, a man who had nothing in this life. You see, righteousness and not riches is what's going to matter over there. We should seek after righteousness rather than riches, but listen, at the expense of righteousness. I am not saying that it is wrong for a person to make a living. I'm also saying it's not wrong to go make a good business deal, maybe even have a large sum of money. That's not the point. And that's not what Solomon's talking about. Solomon is talking about the things that you need to have as priorities in your life. Because the riches in this life, if you seek after them, if our priorities are not what they ought to be, and we seek after riches instead of righteousness or at the expense of righteousness, just remember that those riches will do us no good after this life. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 28, it says, He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. And so it is far better to have a little with righteousness than to be rich and wicked. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 8, it says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. But secondly, it is so important, and this is a pattern for success, it really is, we must involve God in our business affairs. We really need to do that. It is when we seek out other ways outside of God, when we forsake God, and when we leave God out of our plans, when we run into trouble. But if we would involve God in our business affairs, in doing so, our efforts are more likely to succeed. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3, it says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. You know, a good example of this was Joseph in the 39th chapter of the book of Genesis in verses 2 through 5, where the Bible talks about him being a prosperous man and talks about how he was blessed, but he was blessed because God was in his plans. Also, when we involve God in our business affairs, we are more likely to be able to enjoy what we receive. You ever stop to consider that? When you are blessed by God, God wants you to enjoy that. How do I know that? Listen to this. Listen to Proverbs 10 and 22. This was a very encouraging passage of Scripture for me. It says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. The blessings that come from God, there is not a sorrowful string attached to that. That tells me that God intends for me to enjoy what he's blessed me with. Notice Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verses 18 through 20, which says, Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink, 
and do enjoy the good of all his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him, for it is his portion. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth, and hath given him the poor to eat thereof, and take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he shall not much remember the days of his life, because God answereth him in the joy of his heart. But thirdly, you know why that we need to involve God in our business affairs and not put too much emphasis on business in getting things in its proper perspective? Because there is nothing that is sure about business. You ever have somebody say to you, hey, get in on the ground floor on this deal. It's a sure thing. You ever hear somebody say that? Get involved in a business transaction that is a sure thing. You know, it doesn't make any difference about all the guarantees that man might give in such categories like that or in such circumstances like that because there is no such thing as tomorrow. There is no such thing in the surety of tomorrow. We never know what might happen tomorrow. We can do all the greatest planning in the world. We really can. And by the way, it's good to plan. We need to plan. We need to purpose. That is a biblical concept. We need to plan and purpose. But with all the planning, there are things that are extenuating circumstances beyond our control. And the greatest extenuating circumstance beyond our control is if God decides to send Jesus back or we lose our life and therefore in our life there is no tomorrow. All the planning in the world cannot erase that. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, we've been studying in, on our Wednesday evening studies in the book of James. And in the fourth chapter of the book of James, beginning in verse 13, listen to how James pictures this. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even the vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. You know, there's another shortcoming with reference to business, and that is that wealth is a fleeting commodity. What you can acquire in business is fleeting. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verses 4 and 5, it says, Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Have you ever sat next to someone whose life was about used up? They were about done in this, whole, in this old world and they start reflecting back on their life. You ever notice when somebody does that, sometimes they have things that they regret. You know, regret is a 
horribly burdensome thing. It really is. You know, of all the people in my young life, in my short life that I've ever talked to that was older, that was getting to the point of their life, when they knew that in some short time they no longer would be here, I have never once heard somebody say, if I only would have spent more time at the office. Not even once. If I only would have made more money. You know what they say? I wish I was a better mother. Wish I was a better father. Wish I was a better example. Wish I can go back and change what was a priority in my life because of the example that I set. That's what people say. Because that's really what matters. When a person gets to the end of life and they realize they can no longer spend what it is that they would amass, then you realize what's important. They start thinking about the things and the sinful practices maybe that they had in their life. Whatever it is, regret is a burdensome thing because we start thinking of all the things we should have been and were not. That's sobering to me. The things that really matter. Many people come to learn the truths that are found in and spoken in the book of Proverbs only after a lifetime of mistakes and come to realize that they have wasted so many years chasing something that's fleeting. You ever hear that song on the radio, the one called The Dollar? There's a story of a little boy who asked his mother where's, where daddy goes when he leaves. Man, that's sobering to me. Little boy asks his mother, where does daddy go? And she says, well, he goes out and works, and then they pay him for his time. But he goes upstairs and gets a quarter and three dimes and comes back and asks his mother, he says, how much time will this buy me? How much time? That's sobering to me. He says, Would it, is it enough to take, take me fishing or throw a football in the street? If I'm a little short, just tell me how much does daddy need to spend some time with me? There'll come a day when business won't really matter, will it? We need to look and understand those things and what's important. We only get one shot with our kids. We only get one shot with our example. We only get one shot with the way that we are going to live to influence others for that which is good and that which is right. We go through here once. We need to make it count in all that we do. Keeping these now in proper perspective and realizing we do have a responsibility for providing for our own now I want to talk to you about two things, and I'm going to quit. Number one, let's learn how to be a successful laborer. You know, the Bible says some things about that. It is very important that even understanding the priorities that I just said and we've just established and what's really important, we need to understand we have a responsibility of being a successful laborer. First of all, what not to do. The very first thing not to do when you are a laborer is, and I'll say this from personal experience, if you are a laborer working for another, what not to do, number one, don't be lazy. Personal experience, I know this personally, it will greatly irritate your boss. If a person is lazy, 
It will greatly irritate your boss. Biblical concept, Proverbs 10 and verse 26. You know what Solomon says that it's like to have a guy that works for you that's lazy? You know what it's like? Sometimes we think, well, I'll just go put my time in. No. You know what Solomon said about being lazy? Listen, he said, as vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that send him. You know, smoke in your eyes is not very fun, is it? How about vinegar on the teeth? These things aren't happy things. These things aren't comforting things. That's what it's like for the boss that sends a sluggard or a lazy man to go do a job. Yes, being lazy will greatly irritate your boss. Secondly, don't be slothful in your work. If slothfulness is let go long enough, it will ruin the company in which you work for as quickly as the competition will. Incidentally, how long do you think that a company would be able to compete if every single member that worked or every single employee that worked in that company was lazy and slothful? How long would that business stand? Well, I'll tell you this, pretty soon it would no longer be able to compete. So what's it have to do? It has to make a decision. It either raises its prices or starts eliminating expenses. You know what the very first expense to eliminate is? Labor. You start getting rid of employees. And pretty soon, you see how it's connected? Sometimes the worker or the employee doesn't understand the concept that that person is directly responsible for whether he has a job in the future to some degree. Because if he's slothful and lazy pretty soon, company can't compete. They start eliminating jobs, maybe even yours. Don't be slothful in what you do working wise. Proverbs 18 and 9 says, He that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. What should you do though? You should develop skill in your work. You know, I know that sometimes we don't think that we get all the due or the just due that, that uh, we've got coming. Sometimes that's true. But by and large, the principle is, though, that when you have skill in your work, it does not go unnoticed. Another biblical principle. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 29, it says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings, he shall not stand before mean men. It is not going to go unnoticed. Secondly, be diligent in your work to ensure promotion. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24, it says, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. And here's a good one. Impress people with the quality of your work and not the quantity of your words. You ever hear somebody tell you how good they are? How valuable they are? Do you know when I've ever done anything in my life that was of any value? It spoke for itself. And sometimes when I want to oversell maybe what I've done, chances are it's because I've been deficient. But if I would go out and be diligent, then the activity that I've done and the results of the things that I've done will speak for themselves. You know, you don't have to, I'm a firm believer in this. If you're a boss, 
You don't, there's something wrong with a fellow that keeps having to go to his employees and say, I'm the boss, I'm the boss. I'm, they know you're the boss. And if you want them to respect you as the boss, then you conduct yourself in a way or in a manner that warrants that kind of respect. Also, if you're subordinate to that person and you're working, you don't have to keep going out and continually telling what you're doing. Your record speaks for itself. So, let's be known by the quality of our work and not the quantity of our words. Proverbs 14 and 23 says, In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to poverty. You know, in today's competitive job market, I realize it's a sad state of affairs when characteristics and qualities like the ones I'm going to speak of right now are few and far between. It's a sad state of affairs on society, but it still holds true that these are things that really make a difference. These are things that make a difference in your life. Develop the skills of diligence and honesty. You develop those skills. You put your nose to the grindstone as it were. My dad used to say this. He said, son, you'll never get into trouble in your life if for every nickel you're paid, you're worth a dime. He said, if you can do that, you will never go wanting. You will never lose out on a promotion. You will be successful for the rest of your life if you will have the attitude that whatever I am paid, if I'm paid a nickel, I'm going to be worth a dime. Now, if we do that, and we have that kind of diligence, and we're honest people, we are going to go so far in this life, and we are going to set the proper example to those, again, that are without. Heeding the wisdom of Proverbs can help one become a very valuable commodity to those that are around us. But secondly... Proverbs also provides wisdom on how to be a successful manager or employer. You know, I tell you, it is very important to understand that when we've been given a position of authority, that we don't step over that line of authority and use that to be destructive to someone else. Really, if you talk about being an employer or being a manager, you're talking about a leader. Now, if you're a leader, you want to be able to do something. You want to be able to move people to greatness. You want to be able to inspire people. Now, I freely admit there is no way that I can motivate somebody that does not want to be motivated. I am convinced a person motivates themselves. If they are going to forge ahead or be anything, they must have the intestinal fortitude, as it were, to rise up and be that. I understand. But you and I, as perhaps we might have some influence in their life, we become the catalyst in their life to help them desire to be those things. That's an effective leader. That's an effective manager. And to be a wise manager, notice a few more things about that. We must be diligent in our planning and not hasty in getting things done. Again, that goes back to the biblical concept of purposing. We have to sit down a little bit. You know, Jesus talked about that when he talked about the kingdom. What did he say? He said, you got to count the cost. You see, just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we have to be ignorant. We have to be smart about this. 
Because we have faith in God and put our trust in Him, we still have to be smart about the affairs of our business. That means we have a responsibility. God's doing His part. He promised to do His part. He's right there for us. But we have a responsibility to plan and make the right decisions that will best suit our companies and our businesses and whoever it is that we are over. Proverbs 21 and 5 says, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but everyone that is hasty only to want. You know, there's something else we need to do that's not very easy for young people. It really isn't. And I'll just say this to you. I'm fortunate about this because I was raised different. I really was. I was raised that it was a good thing to seek the counsel of somebody older. That was ingrained in me. I respected my father who was my example. So that's not hard for me to do. I'll just freely admit that. That's one of my easy ones. I have a lot of other things that are difficult, but that's one of my easy ones. But I know that young people sometimes do not want to, almost like it's taken something away from them, to seek the counsel of someone that is wiser or someone that may have more knowledge on that subject. But notice what the Bible says about that. We must nurture and utilize counsel from others. Uh, Proverbs 15 and 22 says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in a multitude of counselors, they are established. You know the old adage, we, we all know this, that a wise man learns from the experience of others. That's exactly what that's all about. And you know, we can learn, and those of us that are young, let's step out of the business world. And let's look to living the Christian life in the Lord's church. Those of us that are young, now we all follow God's word. What did Paul say though? He said, follow those as they follow Christ. So there are those that are older, older, wiser people in the Lord, in the church, that we can go and seek counsel after them. And as long as they're doing what's in the Bible, Paul said, we can imitate them. We can be imitators of them. Not just because of their status or position, because they are following Christ. And with that kind of an example, we can learn from those as well. But thirdly, a good manager will stay on top of his job. You know, I thought this was very interesting about this because these are practical things. If you would go take a business course or a business seminar, they'd tell you these things. They would tell you, you have to sit down and plan. There are those in financial services that say, plan your work and work your plan. There are those that say, people don't... Uh, 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 fail to plan, they just, uh, they don't plan to fail, they just fail to plan, and so on. These are concepts in the world, and yet the Bible pictures that we need to stay on top of our jobs, we need to purpose or plan, we need to seek out good counsel, all these things are found in the Bible. Proverbs 27, beginning in verse 23. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks. You have to know what the score is. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. And look well to the herds, for riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself. And herbs of the mountains are gathered. 
The lambs are for the clothing, and the goats are for the price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance of thy maidens. And again, to be a good leader, you've heard me say this before, but to be a good leader is to figure out. You know, I think that's what Paul meant through divine inspiration when he gave those qualifications to be an elder. You know, the greatest leadership position known to man is right in the body of Christ, and that's the elder. You know what an awesome responsibility that is and the strict and stringent qualifications of becoming an elder? It's because you've got to figure out a way to deal with every single personality and get the most and the best from them. And that's not easy to do. But to be an effective leader, whether it's business, life, or the church, it requires us to do that. And something else too. Being a good leader is necessary that we provide good treatment for those that are subordinate to us. You know, we can bark out some orders and be mean and we can do some things like that and to our face they can act a certain way but if you really want to get the most and i listen i freely admit there are people there are people that are bad people there is jesus pictured that we'll not go into that any further we just talked about that though very recently jesus said there's good seeds and bad seeds there are bad people in this world that's a fact but by and large the rule is this if I will treat somebody that's subordinate to me, for example, in business, kindly or treat them well, I'm going to get more from that person. In fact, notice what the Bible says about that too in Proverbs 29 and 21. Beautiful words. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the lake. Think about that. How would you nurture a child? If you nurture or brought along a subordinate that worked for you in that way, again, the rule, there are exceptions, but the rule is he'll be like a son to you. And when you get older, what do children do? They take care of their dads. They take care of their moms. That's what they do. That's what Solomon's trying to picture. You take care of them and you bring them up like they're your own children. Treat them with respect and care and delicately bring them up. And when they get old, they'll be like a child to you. They'll take care of you. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Of how it is that we can both work together, understanding that the example that we set, whether we're a subordinate or whether we're the boss, the world is watching. And just remember, if what we are doing is because we're Christians, because of our faith, that's the best part of the whole thing. God gets the glory. In conclusion tonight, I'm through. We know that a Christian must always behave himself properly in the presence of those in the world. We know that. We know that we must work out in the world and support ourselves and support our families. We must work hard in doing so. We also understand that one of the easiest ways to destroy our influence is to misbehave in the workplace or misbehave in business. But let's also always have the proper uh, have be a behavior and keep business in its proper perspective and never lose sight of the fact that it is righteousness and not riches 
that we should truly aspire to have. Many examples in God's word where people were rich, but they won't go down in history as those that were rich. They were rich, sure, but they'll go down in history as those of great faith. They'll go down in history as great men for other reasons in God's word, other than because of riches. Every time Jesus pictured riches or a rich man in lieu of righteousness, it was in a negative way. It was in a negative fashion. Set our things on things above and not on things on the earth. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information, or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.